Good. Um, pretty impressed with our clapping skills. Yeah, and our going live on Instagram. That was fucking vibe. Dude, we're a couple of guys that go live, eh? <laughs> I've never gone live before in anything. No, there's that stigma, I suppose. It's like anything, like starting this podcast. It's like, why the fuck would I go live? I've got nothing to say. And that was cool, though. Typical and just made dick jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, though. Like, it was good to see people. It was It was good to see that people actually... Like I didn't, we only knew one of the people, right? Yeah, that that jumped in with us. Yeah, shout outs to Ross and uh, Amon. Yeah, yeah, who was the he was the first bro. Yeah, and, and John then, Garrigan, I assume his name is, but I think it's like Gone Jarrigan <laughs> from yeah. Melbourne. The, uh, se- Melbourne. the sesh was Sav. The sesh was Sav. <laughs> we had a fucking all star lineup on the first live. Man, we, I think we'll do that. I reckon we do that before every pod. Just jump on, talk some shit with Pretty some good. people. I think it's worth doing. I think so. To some I, degree. I don't think I would ever endorse us doing the podcast live. I think no, there's just, no, just fucking cancellation immediately. Immediately. The shit that we say that doesn't get put up, you'd have to sign up for the for Patreon to Patreon.com forward slash club good. Just for the quietly. thicker skinned of those amongst you. Yeah. I don't no. think it's anything too hardcore. No, it's not. But it's funny. It is. I left in some stuff in the last one to the main pod. Yeah. Which I edited out and stuff, but I'm not, I got a bit nervous about that after I'd done it when it was out. I was like, because I got a bunch of messages asking who was that girl. Oh like, yes, yes, yes. I was like, I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I know that you like put it up unedited, unedited on uh, Patreon. But when we're doing this, I always forget. Yeah. So then, like, I might say some shit, and then I go home and I'm like. Fuck, did I say something that may incriminate me in the future? But then I remember that everyone on Patreon's pretty much on the level anyway. So. Yeah, that's a it's the secret crew. It's the secret society. Exactly. The inner circle, if you like. I did in fairness, I still do cuz it's it's I just go through and cut out like long toilet breaks and stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, I didn't want to fucking So I I did a quick little edit of the the things that were said in that in that particular story so if you ever need something edited out just let me know it's not it it's not the whole truth it's just the majority of it (laughs) it's 90 percent. that's it we're fucking popping off brother mate thousand we we hit the thousand mark on fucking instagram we hit the thousand on instagram i think that's a really big uh milestone It's it's pretty funny we had our first pop off in general, on the pod with the Craig Jones episode, pulling in over a hundred thousand views on YouTube, which is completely mental. Because you know, up until then, the most popular episode we'd done, we sponsored on on YouTube, mm. kind of by accident, and that only got seven and a half thousand. Oh, and it cost me so much money. <laughs> and this one just <laughs> organically went fucking ape shit. Yeah, that's nuts. It was cool because I wasn't. I mean, I I wasn't super aware of how famous craig was i suppose which was good it meant that i could go into that podcast just normal have a conversation yeah um but yeah that's popped off and a bunch of new followers from that so hopefully i mean i'm seeing the numbers of all of the pods starting to go up more and more as more people mm-hmm. come along to it but that's how it works right like i follow you know I'll, I'll watch someone that's a guest on a podcast 
and I'll be into the guests. So I'll watch the podcast and then you start to, you're like, oh yeah, I fuck with these guys. Look at their shit. Yeah. Yeah. We also really got some good traction on YouTube for subscribers. We went from like 200 and something up all the way over 740, which is crazy. We're only 250 essentially away from being able to hit our goal of monetizing it. So onwards and upwards, if you haven't subscribed, it would be hugely appreciated. Click that button. Jump on. But that's not work. We're not here to talk about stats. We're no. fucking just here to talk about dicks. Something else. <laughs> shitting ourselves. I'm going to retire shitting myself as part of the podcast. Yeah, well, we're past it now. We are past it. We are past it. We're grown men. Yeah, we've gone through this. We've been through some things. Mm. We've overshared. We've talked about it. And let's be honest. I think we will continue to overshare. But I think that what's make that's what makes us likable. That's it. <laughs> I assume. I'd hope so. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a hate watch. Yeah, maybe. Because I hate what well, I hate follow some people. I hope you hate subscribe to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need in our lives. How's your week been, Scott? I fucked my fucking back up yesterday. Man, I got to stop swearing so much. I fucked my fucking back up. <laughs> it's hard being an athlete at 40, bro. Oh, bro. The thing is, I've been feeling shitty. I've been feeling a bit off. And, um, and I... Like we, I'd said to you before, like whenever my physical fitness is doing well or mental health, everything is much better. You know this because when you got injured doing jits and then you were like, you're off your routine. I just started recognizing things coming back in. Like I was like, oh, anxiety, my, <laughs> my old friend. I was like, why am I feeling like this? It's like I'd just taken my foot off the gas a little bit. Like I just, you know, Christmas turns into fucking March. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, so I was like, you know what, I got to fucking, I got to pull it together. And um, I'd still been going to the gym a lot, but I just hadn't been on top of everything else I need to be on top of. And um, so, yeah, I was feeling shitty yesterday and I was like, I'm going to go to the gym. Got down there, didn't do any form of warm up because I'm a moron and just got straight into it. And I fucking popped. Something went ping, and I was like, oh, no. Because, <laughs> you know, you carry normal things. Like, as you get older, when you're doing weights or you're doing normal exercises, you wake up a bit stiff or you things like that. It's like, yeah, that's part of, part and parcel, but it's never too concerning. The concerning ones are the pings, mm-hmm. the pings or the tears or the crunches, which I've not experienced in quite some time. Mm. So, yeah, I was just uh, lifting some weights over my head like a fucking Neanderthal, and- pinged and i was like oh that's not good and i managed to keep my composure because i went into prime time i was there at like 7 p.m it was fucking packed and um i was like i'll just roll i'll just go over there and i'll just have a stretch and just assess what's happened here and then i laid on my back and then i was like i'll roll over my front and try and do something and i was like mm, can't do that <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like all right well now it's time to sheepishly leave the gym so i tried to get up i got up and fucking I was went to pull my shirt on because I singled on, went to pull my shirt on. And I was like, well, that's not happening either. <laughs> and then I rode the goddamn moped home and I couldn't check any blind spot ever, which on a, you know, on like a fucking motorbike is like a death. Very dangerous. So, yeah, I dragged my ass home and then just took some fucking painkillers. It's like when your nose is blocked. You remember what it was like to breathe properly and you're like, oh, the good old days. Yeah, I had it so good. <laughs> Imagine. And you take it for granted. And then I think, I can't remember what I did. I think it was either a deadlift or it might have been through jits. I think it might have been jujitsu. Um, I, I fucking hurt my back to the point where I woke up in the morning. I was fine going to bed, woke up in the morning 
and I couldn't get out of bed to the point where I tried to like sit up and and audibly made a yelp. Yep. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> am I now a paraplegic? Dude, the back, the back problems is the fucking worst. If you fuck your back, I remember doing it, um, I think I was like wakeboarding. It was some dumb shit when I was younger and I just, I pulled something doing that. And then you start to pull it doing dumb things like getting out of your car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, and you just, you're paused, you're just frozen, suspended in animation. <laughs> But yeah, I think um, I took it easy today and took a bunch of anti-inflammatories and just fucking slept on and off. Mm. Um, and I feel way better. I was feeling fucking pretty awful this morning. But oh, it ain't going to stop me. It ain't going to stop me, bro. I'm right there with you. Like you said, when you take some time off, those anxious little fucking niggles come back. And you're yep. like, oh, my life's fucking shit. I um, obviously get any tattoos. I'm doing like week on, week off at the gym. And that week off, man... But towards the end of it, especially if I've had like a few drinks or something in one of those evenings, or uh, like maybe treated myself a little bit too hard. Oh, that lack of serotonin the next day is you're just like, oh man, I fucking, is this what life is? Yeah. Am I going to be a fucking sad cunt forever now? Mm. You just got to try and remember that it's not the end of the world. But you couple that with the fact that I just started this new job this week. And that's a challenge, you know, going from essentially partial retirement into working at a fucking desk again. I'm like, oh, God, is this what life is? Is this really what I'm going to be spending the next fucking 30 years doing? And uh, contemplated walking out onto St. George's Terrace and just standing in front of a bus. <laughs> just let it go. Didn't, though. I had some sushi instead. Didn't I wonder if people do that. I wonder, what, I wonder if people just St. George's Terrace every now and then just jump off. Yeah, they do. <laughs> do they really? I know. I remember when I worked on Barrack Street once, they closed off the street because there was a dude on the roof of something. Yeah. I had but that yeah. friend who jumped off the QT. Roof. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Not St. George's Terrace though. <laughs> no. Pretty close. Murray Street, I think. But yeah, I suppose people do. Mm. That's fucking nuts. Because it is the rat race, right? Like St. George's Terrace is the closest thing we have to fucking Wall Street. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, and I was thinking about it today. People are in such a fucking hurry. And it's it was really like making me feel fucking uncomfortable today. Like cunts rushing around, always got somewhere to be, fucking like hustle and bustle and pushing past and jostling and cunts always in a fucking half sprint. I'm like, ugh, it made me feel fucked. It's like, ugh, slow down, bro. Yeah. It's like it's not that serious. It's no, people relax. like I was parking in the multi-story down near fucking Elder Street and um like, people fucking racing in there to get car parks and then racing out to get home. It's like, bro, slow the fuck down. Take a breath. And it used to be me. And it still probably is me in some in some situations. You're ramping up now. That's the thing is, like, you're at a fucking pace right now where you're like, the world's a good place. And then you, you're going to be on on the same speed as everyone else and not even realize. And you'll be like, these guys need to walk faster in my way. I haven't been in a desk job since December 5, right? And now I'm like leaving, going fucking. Is this is this it? Like, how do people do this? I go get up at five o'clock in the morning, five thirty in the morning, have some breakfast, coffee, chill for a minute, go for a walk, come back in the car, going to work. I'm there by eight o'clock. I come home. It's five thirty. Make dinner. Watch an hour of TV. I'm like, fuck. It's nine o'clock. I'm probably going to go to bed now. And then yeah. I'm going to be up in fucking seven hours. 
I know those maths don't work out. Don't fucking work it out as you're going, but you get my fucking gist. It's like five days of my seven-day week is spent in the car doing some shit for some other cunt. I'm like, fuck, I hate this. I just want to grow potatoes and subsist somewhere, you know? Like, can I build a log cabin and just live there? Yeah, you can, but then that always ends up with um, mailing bombs to people. (laughs) That's actually true, yeah, or some form of uh, mass murder. Yeah. So, look, let's not do that. I don't, man, it's the choice. It's a choice that you make. Look at it from my perspective. I've I've been pretty blessed. Like, I work for myself. But, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. And I certainly have more challenging times these days. And I think it probably runs in parallel to you because I took a lot of last year off. Um, not completely, but for the most part. Like, I, I wasn't. I wasn't getting up and working straight away or anything. I was like, I was doing the bits that I needed to do. I took my foot off the gas a bit because I had a bit of money. And I definitely have that – I'm I'm battling that thing where I sit there going, is this – what the fuck am I doing? And the what what the fuck am I doing, it seems to be – that gets dampened with just normal life shit because you can sit there – if you really sit there and drill down into it, you go you go to a place that's way too deep and it gets all real philosophical and what's the word? Um, ex- existential, like, what, why am I here? What am I really doing? But I do find these days, like, that question comes in and it's like, we still don't know, dude. Just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. It's like the only things that you kind of, I don't know. It's It is, sounds a bit dire, but sometimes I'm just like, well- if I stand still, they're going to take my house or they're going to fucking do this and that. So, it's like we've joined this thing where we're just working to maintain a living standard, yeah. I suppose. And just I need that you hate it. I think I need a um, a goal. I was talking to a friend yesterday and she was like, "You need a, I think you need a goal. You need something to aim for. Whereas you do fall into those situations where you're just going, it's like we do the podcast every week. That's going well. and But it's always like- I don't think we we don't set goals for this, for example. It's just like something you do and then as it starts, you know, gets more popular, it does this and that. You're like, oh, cool, we'll keep riding that wave and we'll, we'll, we'll adjust the course based on how we're feeling. And I feel like I do that with a lot of points of life. I'm just – I sat there last night thinking about like goal setting and I was like, oh, I just don't know what the fuck to aim at, full mm. stop, you know? Is it a little bit scary because you're subliminally, subconsciously concerned that you won't get it, so therefore you avoid making the statement in the first place? I don't think so. I just, I just don't know what I'm. I don't know what excites me anymore. Mm. In that sense, you know, like I, I sit there and I, I write that stuff down sometimes, and I'm like, oh, you know, like a a bigger house or a nicer car. And I'm like, I don't care. I can't pretend to care about that shit. At all. Mm. It doesn't bother me. Like, if, if anything, I look at the what's required to do that and I'm like, I don't want to be chained to that. I think I have commitment issues to those sorts of things, you know, where I'm like, I don't want to commit to anything that's going to that's gonna chain me to it. But I think the irony of that is if you don't commit yourself to something, then you're just kind of fucking treading water and that's not much fun either. So... Very true. Look, all I can tell you is that I walked into work the other day and there was a homeless man masturbating furiously on the corner of St. George's Terrace and Mill Street and I felt a little bit jealous for a minute. That's it. (laughs) You're like, this could be you, but you're playing. (laughs)
Did you actually see him masturbating? No, one of the girls at work did. She That's told me. wild. Yeah, he's a he's a serial wanker. Apparently, that's not. I admire his confidence. Honestly, I I admire it. There's a level of freedom in that that we will never we will never know. Exactly. Hence my jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what happens after he finishes. I wonder if he gets like post not clarity and is like, oh, I've got to get my <laughs> life together. <laughs> I should really ask him. I don't know whether it would be legible, but I'm certainly keen to try. That is sick in a positive way. I just mm. think it, it's so funny that that does seem to be the thing that you- It's that and shitting, right? Yeah. It's like, here we go again. <laughs> no, but it's like, those are the two things that shouldn't be done on St. George's Terrace at least. Yeah, man, he's done both this week. So <laughs> that man is kicking goals. That's it. He's ascending, he is transcending his existence. So I've been watching this fucking, you know how they did like the drive to survive the F1 thing and it mm. brought a whole heap of eyes that aren't usually on F1 to F1, really popular, really successful. They seem to be replicating that model across a whole bunch of sports um, and golf I saw is one. I, I might be behind the eight ball on this, but like, as you know, I've played golf since I was about six years old. Um, I still suck at golf. Like I'm not, I'm not here trying to stunt. I still fucking suck badly. Um, but I never got into watching golf necessarily. Like I've watched a few of the masters and whatnot when I was younger, but now it kind of doesn't really do much for me. It's kind of boring, but, uh, there's this show on Netflix full swing or something, something about swinging. I'm not even really sure. Um, and it's really fucking interesting. But the one thing that I was thinking about is, I don't know how much about this, you know, but the PGA tour is like the world's premier competitive golf scenario there's like basically 140 or 160 players you play 72 holes over four days um and halfway through so after 36 holes uh there's a cut so half of the field gets turfed and you don't get any money so you have your PJ Tour card, you go play, you spend money to get to the course, you got a bunch of expense, you got a caddy and shit. If you don't make the cut, you don't get paid anything, you just go home. Uh, those top 80 players or whatever play for the next 36 holes and, and the winners are decided from there. Now, the Saudis have created this thing called Live Golf and they chose Greg Norman as their chairman um, and Greg is out there trying to actively recruit players from the PGA Tour to live golf. Now, this is interesting because the Saudis are chucking fucked up money at these players. For example, Tiger Woods reported around $700 million just to show up. No cuts, no nothing. Just to play, $700 million. Phil Mickelson, like $300 million. Ian Poulter is one of like the lowest ranked players on the tour. Bear in mind, he's been playing professional golf for 20 years. He's not expected to be at the front, but they chucked him like a $10 million or more to play golf. Bear in mind, his career earnings, like $33, $34 million over the 20 years playing. Um, and he's going to earn like a third of that just to roll up in this live golf. And the PGA have essentially said that anyone that, defects from the PGA and goes and plays in this tournament, has their PGA card revoked and they're suspended, never to play in the PGA again. 
um, they're taking a hardline stance. And the reason behind it, or the way that they have, I suppose, uh, uh, what's the fucking word, uh, justified this, is because of Saudi's well-publicized human rights violations. You know, Khashoggi, that journalist, was assassinated, essentially. Um, slave labor is used pretty freely over there. They're a not of, su- lot of people missing hands. They're not super nice to women. You know, a lot of them can't drive, can't vote. You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think they can drive now in Saudi, and I think they can vote. But historically, it's not been a very equality-based community. Mm-hmm. So the PGA have said, if you guys support this, you're basically promoting human rights violations, and you're all pieces of shit. <laughs> but then you juxtapose that, for example, with America. All right, let's look at it through the lens of the Saudis on America. I mean, you're invading countries willy-nilly to impose your own will. Um, you had slavery not that long ago, realistically. Um, you also do a bunch of really fucked up shit, and no one's out there banning people from playing in the PGA Tour. They're not going, if you're on the PGA Tour, you essentially fly drones into the Middle East. Exactly right. So from my perspective, it almost feels gross that the PGA is grandstanding on the basis of these human rights violations on the Saudis, when in reality, it's that they're butthurt that people are leaving to get more money. They're trying to hold on to an institution. And the thing is that these institutions have existed for so long that they're like, it can't fail. But other people are coming in. Same thing's happening in football. Like the Qataris are buying up fucking football clubs like they're trading cards. Like Man United are about to get bought by the Qatari investment fund. You know, the Saudis own Man City. They're doing all of this because they can just come in with that massive money. But the thing is that they're... I think we're starting to see this more and more. There's institutions that exist that are essentially monopolies. The PGA is obviously one of them. Something's coming up against that. That When you're a monopoly, you make the rules. So it is bullshit that you would not get paid if you're on the PGA tour. You know what I mean? Like the, that stuff that you, just, that you just said. But they're like, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Dude, you're seeing the same thing with the UFC right now and that PF- – is it PFL? Yeah, yeah, professional fight. Yeah, where right. they're saying, look, we'll give you 50% mm. and you can also have your own sponsors on on your shit. And I was watching Ariel Helwani talk about it with um, Jake Paul today and it was like the only thing that they're going to be able to do as as the UFC is like make a really strong stance against that because obviously you can't be signed for another – signed to another one. And they're going, guys, you got short careers, very short careers. If you want to make actual money, just come over here. And if they get the top, if they get the top tier, even the second, even just on just over the hill, people are going to make a ton of money. And then you'll see if it's a sustainable business model. With the Saudis, it'll be a sustainable business model because they have the money. Mm-hmm. But turning around and saying that you don't want people to go over there because it's it's saying it's okay to have, you know, the, the human rights violations and stuff like that. It's like, you guys are doing your own version of that. It's exactly the point. It's like, you're doing your own version of that. Don't fucking throw rocks at glass houses. It's hypocritical as mm. fuck, but no one seems to be calling a spade a spade. Everyone's, especially on the tour, like there's a lot of athletes on the tour that are like basically – blacklisting all these guys that are going across to live because, you know, Saudis, without, I don't even think they're really understanding. It's like, 
are you not using your own judgment on this? It's like why blackball your colleagues for trying to make money? This is a career. We're not here to fucking play golf because necessarily we love golf. Yeah, we're not we're, we're not behind the PGA as a cause. No shit. You know you know what it is? It's marketing companies. That's that's what it is. Like this whole thing is a PR campaign. So they've gone this is happening, we can't compete financially with that. We can't be seen as weak by rolling over and saying we'll offer the same as they do because if they're bluffing then we're fucked. And then they also have the historical side of it where there'll be like there'll be a bunch of players that are like, "Well, we never got paid that." What they've done, I think, and this is where, you know, this this whole social justice movement, a lot of people were talking about that in the beginning when it started happening, where there was like a lot of people getting upset at things and, and yelling. And now you have Bankwest with, you know, LGBTQ fucking themed ATMs as if they, as if they're on your team. It's like, no, you know, like we'll, we'll do this and we'll still take your fucking money and we're still going to. You know, come and get your mortgage with your same-sex marriage with us and you can pay double the amount over 30 years. It's like, how fucking stupid is everyone? It's like, they, none of these companies give a fuck about these causes at all. They just come in and they go, oh, this is what people are into right now. Let's get behind it. Maybe it can, it can cast us in some positive light. It's exactly the same as McDonald's doing a fucking Space Jam themed Happy Meal. It's just like, this is what's popular right now. Maybe we can pull people over. But the, the after effects of that are that as these, these things start to move through the, you know, through society and they become these buzz topics, places like the PGA can look at that and go, well, you know, actually, guys, it's not okay to fucking treat women like that and to have slave labor. If you go over there, you're really supporting that. Like, no one at the fucking PGA believes that. No one. I guarantee that they're somewhere along the line. Ironically enough, I guarantee that there's been some fucking Saudi investment in the PGA. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what's sad though, man? The only thing that suffers from this is golf. Mm -hmm. For example, the Ryder Cup is nation versus nation. So you get teams of four from uh, Britain, USA, playing against each other in the Ryder Cup. And that's a PGA event. So all of those guys that went to live, like Ian Poulter, who is famously extremely good at Ryder Cup and loves playing in it, can now no longer play. So you're seeing all these people, like kids growing up that might idolize some of these guys, don't get the opportunity to watch them play um, because, you know, the PGA has essentially driven a giant divide between the two. It's like you're either on the side of good or you're on the side of evil, and it's completely fucking bullshit. We've seen this happen in sports for a long fucking time, though. Like, if you look back to the lockouts with the NBA, all the players were like, yo, you are making so much money, so much money, and we are not. You know, like it was, I think, I can't remember exactly what the, the issues were, but it took all of the players and the players association to stand up and go, we're not going to fucking play. And there was periods of the NBA lockout where they didn't have it. They had it with the baseball in the 80s where they had to get a bunch of like college kids to play for the Yankees and shit, apparently. Yeah, right. Because a bunch of players were like, this is ridiculous. Like you guys are making money off our backs and the contracts that they'd signed were like, you can't get paid. Um, college basketball. I think up until like five years ago, college basketball players were it was illegal to be paid. Yeah. They tried to ban LeBron from playing in the NBA because his mom had a um got a car or something? Yeah, I think it was like a Hummer or something. Escalate. And they were like 
Yeah, Esco, yeah. they were like, there's no way you could afford that. And, yeah. then they were, and she was like, yeah, I can take my, I can go to the bank and be like, I'm, LeBron James is going to be LeBron James and you'll loan me the money. So it's, it's fucking criminal, man. Like all of these institutions are making money off the backs of other people. And then now that there's a little bit more clarity and there's a lot more communication, I think these companies are just coming together and just being like, how can we guilt? It's, it's like the last ditch effort. How can we guilt people into, into staying? Mm. And it's pretty pathetic. That golf one is pathetic. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you kind of need to go. I think what they will end up doing is they'll end up ushering out like the visible heads of the previous um, you know, of the previous dynasty, if you like. And then they'll bring in some more progressive people and they're like, we're going to change it. They'll do it somewhat of a rebrand and there'll be some sort of <clears throat> a profit sharing or I don't know. There's probably a PGA Players Union, I imagine, and they will maybe fight for the players a bit more yeah, because they can't. There's always going to be these periods where it's going to suck. I think it would be really hard as a player. It'd be really hard as a top-tier player that's making good money on the PGA. Like, say, what's his name? Tiger Woods. For him to go because he doesn't have to because he's like, I'm making the money anyway. Yeah, but so it's a no, statement. see, he's not anymore. Like, Tiger Tiger is playing and will, he doesn't need the money, but $700 million is enough for Tiger, I think, to take notice. And I'm pretty sure he is going to go. Even Phil Mickelson is one of the biggest earning golfers in the history of mankind, and he got 300 million. He's like, I'm out. But you got people like Jordan Spieth, like you were touching on, who are at the top of the game in the PGA. They're on a good wicket, and they're winning. So they're not willing to go. But, man, Jordan drops to 20th or 30th. And he's, he's going to be like, I'm not making the same money I'm making anymore. I'm out. For example, um, Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler won the Masters, and I think he won like $2.4 million. That's not $300 million. It's financially irresponsible to win the PGA at the moment. Literally. It's, it's stupid to be playing in the PGA. Now look, on the interesting side, I knew how much golfers make. Those motherfuckers are rich, bro. They are flying private everywhere, course to course. Ian Poulter has a collection of like 30 Ferraris. They said in the show that he'd only won like 33 million in career earnings, but I reckon that's just from playing. He must have had sponsorships coming out of the house. He's sponsored by Audemars Piguet, so it's like one of the most expensive watch brands on earth. Um, The Ferraris he has are like, some of them are priceless. And he's got, like, an estate, you know, like, fucking crazy, crazy money. These guys are fucking mental. There's a dude. It's actually a girl, Laura. I think she listens. I saw it, I saw that she follows um, the Club Good page. Laura Sim. Um, I think she's married now. Maybe has a different last name. But she has a younger brother that played golf. And I, I think he went pretty far with it. And it was, like, because my brother was really into golf. So, he was just a kid, probably, you know, six or seven years younger than me. But he went. He started getting on telly and stuff. I don't know if he's actually on the tour. You'd probably know more than I would. I don't know what his name is. They don't make a lot. Like the the arse end of the field will make like 25, 30 grand US to come in like last place after the cut, which would be like 80th or 70th place, I think, like somewhere in there. But the top guys, you know, the, the guys who are winning are winning 1.5 to sort of $3 million for, for 
a weekend. It's not mm. bad. It's not a bad fucking wicket. Yeah, definitely. There's I mean, one you have the team around you and you have, there's a lot of things that need to be Well, paid. not really, man. I mean, they've got generally two to three coaches and a caddy. That's it. Yeah, their, their, their prices would be going up as you're fucking getting oh, better. Yeah. But Scheffler, for example, I think the stat was he won four majors in 56 days. Shit. So in 56 days, he would have made $10 million just from prize money, not endorsements or anything like that, you know? I wonder what the tax implications are of getting paid in Saudi. I wonder if it's, like, tax-free. Well, I mean, a lot of those guys, I think, would have uh, houses in places that don't attract tax. That's yeah, why a lot like of the Dominican F- Republic or whatever well, The F1 is. drivers all have a house in Monaco because yeah. it's not taxed. And Saudi, like I used to live in Bahrain, income tax is 0%. You don't get taxed at all, zero. Yeah, you'd be setting up your LLCs in Saudi Arabia for sure. Not even. Like, you could go to work tomorrow as a graphic designer in Saudi and 0% income tax. Just Joe Blow. Yeah, that's nuts. Imagine. Getting your entire paycheck in your bank. Dude, Saudis, hit me up. I think you need some design. I quite like the way that their fonts work. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. They've got a really nice aesthetic with the green and the sword. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind it's of a sad because sometimes in the Middle East, you know, those fonts get they get used in the wrong way. <laughs> with beheadings and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Some flags that I'm like, man, that looks sick. And then I'm like, oh, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Bro. The ISIS branding is fire. Can we just agree on that? Fantastic. <laughs> Recognizable. The black and the white. Oh, it's really, it really hit the nail on That's the head it. there. Can you separate the art from the artist? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, man. It's nuts. It's pretty funny, all those shows, though, because you do see one just take off. I think the first one that I saw was. Um, I've I've seen it before. I can't remember what it was called. Um, All or Nothing, which Mm -hmm. was like where they had like people embedded in the football and they had Man City and then Tottenham. And I think it started with Sunderland perhaps. And then the F1 one obviously popped off huge because it was on um, Netflix, which is just a bigger platform than everyone else. They're so like, the names are so bad. You know what I mean? Like F1, Drive to Survive. It's just like, and- uh, Match point. <laughs> and uh, what's the golf one? Oh, it's like full swing or full some swing. shit. It's yeah, like, yeah. come on, bro. We're catering to the lowest common denominator, though, and those people will see it like me and be like, oh, that looks cool. Let's watch that. Dude, Drive to Survive is the gayest name I've ever heard. It's pretty It up sounds there. like Need for Speed 43, you know? 100%. Or like a, a new Fast, fast and Furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the return of Paul Walker. Oh, man. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. R.I.P., brother. Man, the effect that Paul Walker's death had on people that I knew was profound. Mm. I didn't realize how much people really loved- Like, I, it didn't. It made me realize that people, people's entire identities, especially in Australia, I think, because a lot of people- You got into cars mm-hmm. when you are younger. A lot of people got into cars, and that entry level into cars was like Fast and Furious 1 for people of our generation. I ordered that online on VHS. Oh, man. You were in there. I know. I remember watching it and thinking, that's a, you know, it's an entertaining movie. But tons of people got into I remember that was where Noz came from. Yeah. I'd never heard of Noz before. Nos. Nos. Yeah. The thing is, it was like, it was always an underground culture. Like anything, breakdancing, graffiti, you know, like modifying cars and street racing was an underground culture. And it was the first time that that um, the broader 
uh, like world had been like, oh, this is a thing and we're going to build something around it. So for all of us that were into cars, it was like the first time we'd seen anything like that. First time Hollywood had ever treated it like it was actually a real thing. And it was kind of at the very beginning of, not the beginning of the internet, but sort of the beginning of the the message boards and the forums where like-minded individuals were getting together and talking and sharing some of this stuff. Drifting had just kind of become a thing in America where it was, you know, a thing forever in Japan. So that was like a, a real big thing for us because it was like Hollywood finally recognizing it as a as a real thing. So we all so you were already excited. you were already a car guy when that came when very that came much through. so yeah. yes because yes. I remember the car guys when I was young it was very much like Bathurst and Brocky and VNs and V V or Commodores and shit like yeah that. but I was always into the Japanese scene. import sort of In, stuff yeah, yeah. Import stuff and that was the first time that that had had any kind of uh, acknowledgement. I mean, there's a old. In Australian film called Running on Empty, and the star of that drove an XYGT, and it was all about like racing, but it was you know Fords and Holdens and shit, and it was you know in the seventies in Australia, that sort of popularity of car culture <laughs> had already been a thing, but Fast and the Furious was the first time like the Japanese domestic uh, or Japanese imports had kind of become like legitimized, I suppose, to a broader market. I suppose that was the internet. Eh? It was like, as you said, like little subcultures and underground things just had the opportunity to become mainstream because the platform just became the same. It's mm-hmm. like our entire generation was online and we were all just like, oh, this is crazy. Mm. And I mean, I spoke to Carl about it, Shock One. And he was saying, you know, like back in the day when when he was first getting into music, he got into music through, you know, Mills Records and, um, and 78s and, and stuff like that where you go in and- and the dude that was working there was cool and he knew what was going on. And he'd be like, I just got this record in. And then suddenly it was like, it was everywhere because it was all MP3s and it was on the internet and stuff like that. So, these subcultures were like, they had caps on them. They, there was there was like a glass ceiling for those subcultures because they were staying that way. And then when they all had the opportunity to pitch for mainstream, it was like, you know, there was there was differing opinions on it because then you have the gatekeeper people that are like no it's not what it used to be but then you you know there's a bunch of people that are like i really like this and you saw things like um you know britney spears putting out dubstep songs and Mm -hmm. dubstep production and stuff like that i think roscoe did like i can't remember what the track was but yeah a bunch of those you know rihanna's rude boy was written by pendulum Mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy i wonder what the next thing will be because obviously communication's been the big one, like just opening communication to the world. I remember you used to go away when you were younger and it was like, if you want to, or if you wanted to call, I, my family was in the UK. So if we wanted to speak to them, it was like, however many cents per minute, international calls were like a big thing on mobile phone plans, home plans, stuff like that. And it would cost a fucking fortune. And now it's literally Cost you absolutely nothing. Mate, if there's any young tackers listening to this fucking podcast, I remember a time when a SMS cost 32 cents. Yeah, you used to run out of credit from from uh, text messaging. You got real fucking selective about who you hit with them SMSs, boy. Yeah, for real. <laughs> An MMS was like two bucks. Oh, man, forget it. And it was just like a tiny little nine pixel image. Yeah. The fucking internet was called WAP. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is now totally different meaning. <laughs> it was WAN. No, that's Wide Area Network. Uh, it's like WAP was like the first protocol that you used from a mobile device. And I remember it because <laughs> I had an 8310 and it was the one with the white buttons and shit. And um, you used to be able to play like quiz games and like really basic games over the internet. Um, yeah, WAP. Imagine, um, imagine old, what are they called? Like old IT dudes just scrolling, scrolling um, Spotify and being like, oh, this will be a song about maybe something that I can get behind. <laughs> Man, my now boss was telling me about when he used to walk up and down the terrace with a computer that was in a briefcase trying to sell it from door to door. No one knew what the fuck it was. Man, my next door neighbor had a car phone. Yeah, man. And that she was connected to the horn of his car. So, he'd be parked out on the street and his car phone would go off and it'd just be like, man, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. I get pissed off when someone has a loud ringtone. Imagine yeah. that shit. <laughs> fuck that. Are you speaking of Paul Walker, actually, do you, who um, in the last like few years, do you remember having died celebrity that had an impact on you? Because most of the time, for for context, a celebrity will die, and I will give zero fucks. I don't. Mm. I don't really get invested in celebrity. I know that. Um, I know that Kobe rocked a bunch of people that, mm-hmm. that I was really close to, in a way where they were just like openly. They were like, "I yeah, I took the day off work," you know, because it was the same thing. A lot of people. I really was into like um, early mid nineties Chicago Bulls, and then and that whole kind of. When that came to an end, when I, when I was in you know primary school, I I didn't really I kept playing basketball, but I didn't really jump on the the Allen Iverson era and stuff like that. It just I'm not sure why it was it was just so much a part of pop culture when I was in primary school, and then when I was in high school, I was just into other shit. Um, but Kobe was a huge one for like a lot of my friends, so it was like probably the the next biggest thing that I'd seen. Ones that affected affected me like mac miller dude mm. mac miller me and you were were that was that was in the days of us giving each other music mm-hmm. and i think you actually gave me kids mm-hmm. the mixtape and i was like damn this is sick and like you know you kind of grew up even though we were older like you you saw that dude's life like you saw him in high school coming through till um till his death obviously and I wasn't like a, a hardcore Mac Miller fanboy. Like I always liked, I liked what he had going on. But then when he released, um, was it Circles? Was that the last album? I'm terrible with names. Yeah, the the one where he died when he was mm. promoting it. Essentially, he did a tiny concert, the the desk concert, oh, tiny desk, yeah. And it's so good, dude. And he's so positive about like he's like I used to, you know, I used to want to die, and now I'm. It's kind of this album of it gives me goosebumps talking about because it's this album of him being like I, you know, I used to be like I, I've been doing really bad, but like I actually want to be here now. And then yeah, just a, I remember waking up. I remember opening my phone. I was with my girlfriend at the time and just being like Mac Miller fucking died, and we were both just like damn. And then I think the tiny desk, it was maybe already out, but I think I'd seen it, but. I can't really remember, but watching it back, I watch it all the time. It's really haunting because it's such a, it's, it's fucking perfect. You know, like you couldn't really go out on a better, on a better note than that, but he was so young, dude. Mm -hmm. So young. 
And um, I think he was at 27 Club, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is nuts. And to be fair, everything after 27 is fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I could have tapped out there. I would have been a legend. We're a slippery slope right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're on the back end. We're on the back nine, bro. (laughs) But yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. The The one that got me was Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that getting to you because you were a big, you were a big fan of Anthony. Well, I've got his book now, and it's so weird. I read the book, and I'm. It's just it just happens. But I read the book, and I, it comes into my head in his voice. Yep. And I don't know whether it's. I think it's the way he writes is so synonymously Anthony that you can just you just hear it as. And you I think read it. you'd you'd. It's someone that you were introduced to by voice and by, you know, his shows and things like that. So you would, and and there was so much content of it, and it was so, it was it was such high quality and so interesting. I think you can't help but read that Mm. in his voice, you know. So it's like from the grave, yeah, forever. It's kind of spooky. Actually, made me tear up reading it. Um, he. This particular book that I got, Kitchen Confidential, I got a um, version of it with a whole bunch of his handwritten notes, and some of them are quite personal. And just reading that, it's like Jesus Christ, right in the fucking feels, eh? <laughs> yeah, one one of the them that got me was I think it was Joshua Holm from um, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, he. I don't know if it's the forward to that book, but it's. I read it. Someone had shared it on the internet. A yeah, while him and ago. Tony were really good friends. Yeah, and it's it's him writing to. Anthony Bourdain's daughter, and he's like, "Your dad was a fucking rock star." Jesus Christ! And it's oh my god, it's so it's it's really beautifully written, and it's and uh, Joshua Holm is like, he's very articulate in a very rock and roll type of way, mm. and it, it by memory he's like, "Yeah, you need you need to know who your dad was to me, mm. and who he was to the people that he knew best because." The rest of the world will make their own opinions about him, but he was he was a fucking rock star. Jesus Christ, it's fucking me up right now. Yeah, dude, it gets you get the, <laughs> get the goosebumps. Um, the other interesting thing I might have spoken about it on here before, actually, but Anthony, um, was posting on Reddit under a pseudonym, uh, about because he found jujitsu when he was like forty seven or something, um, and ended up competing and just falling in love with it, just like I did. And uh, he was posting at, under a pseudonym on Reddit about his experiences, basically, and no one knew who it was. Um, he was just posting, you know, like, what about this gym? And, like, I'm doing this and I'm struggling here. And he's talking about, like, gym stereotypes, kind of, like, funny. And now you read it and it's so obviously him just by the way that he writes. Yeah, and, and he was starting kind of doing his research, right? Yeah. Like, he was like, which is the way that he approached everything. Yeah. It's interesting now him being gone and being able to read back on that. It's like a little insight into who he was and, and his life that you might not have ever gotten until he died, you know? Mm. I know a funny one is um, I really like Vince Staples, mm-hmm. still alive. Stay that way, brother. You're, <laughs> you're needed. He, um, he had a Yelp account. Oh, I heard about and this. And he's, yeah. he's been reviewing 
stores since he was like fucking isn't 16. It, isn't it like a specific kind of store though? I think that it's he like reviews? chicken shops or something. Or it's like it's an like- IHOP or something. Like he goes to different international houses of pancakes and just like rates it's them. It's hilarious, yeah. man. It's so much fun. It's so much hilarious stuff in there. I remember going on a deep dive on that one time. Funny dude, man. <laughs> yeah. I will listen to any podcast he's on. He's yeah, just such an sure. outspoken. He's, he's super young as well. For sure. I, I don't remember, think he likes white people that much, which is kind of like. I, th- I think he's, he's got a good sense of humor <laughs> and he fucking. He's pretty outspoken about like just the cultural appropriation of rap, mm. but in the, in the corporate sense, you know, like in the record company sense more than anything. And mm. also, I mean, all of those dudes, they, they all had a point. They all had a point that like, you know, Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus could be black for a while. Well, that was cool, and then they could just switch back and run for president if they wanted, you know. And they're like, "We we're this all the time," and you guys are just coming in and and riding this wave as if it's a fucking uh, just the the new cool thing. Yeah, and it's like they fully have a point. It was really interesting hearing um, Childish Gambino talk about it, Donald Glover, and he's he's got a lot to say about that stuff. And you need to remove yourself from being what they're talking about and just hearing someone's story because it's the same it's the same with the me too movement and stuff i think as soon as it's being spoken to you as if you're the fucking problem you're like well how i don't do this it's like that's not the point listen to what's being said because it's like a cultural thing and i think as soon as everyone gets as soon as we all get defensive i used to be like that with uh lauren hill because i think lauren hill famously said she goes i don't make music for white people and i was like that sucks man i like i really like you lauren hill <laughs> It doesn't mean you can't not like her. Mm. It's like, you know, we don't do this podcast for fucking people in their 90s. But if you're listening, that's fine. You know what I mean? I don't know why you would. If you're able to use Spotify There's not much 19. time, yeah. You know, haven't got much time left. This I'm is impressed. probably not the best use of your time. <laughs> or maybe it's a really great use. I don't know. My granddad's 89. I should fucking send him a link, eh? Jesus Christ. He'd probably kill probably him. Probably kill him, yeah. <laughs> Man, I've been getting into the um, – I was playing around with some of the AI art the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I was saying the other week, it's actually – it's as it would because it's technology. It's getting better and better. It's a whole lot better than it was when we spoke about it before. But I was saying on our little live thing before, I really – I think we're not too far away from just being able to upload previous ep- previous episodes and then assign our voices to our likeness. And it will probably create this. I I'm I want to see an AI Josh and Scott. Yeah, for real. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. You can do it with you can do it. We would be able to do it now. I I can find out how, but I was reading about it the other day. We have enough of our voices recorded and the stuff that we talk about that we could give AI a bunch of data, which would be podcasts, and we could say we need an hour and a half podcast and it will come up with new things to talk about and it would probably – we should do it. I'll do it and we'll release it and see if anyone notices. We'll do like an audio only. And that's so fucking good. That's it's coming along out. so fast. It's crazy. I uh, I really about it. I like, I like the AI. I'm into it. It's definitely it's, – it's still, it's still rudimentary, I think, but it's going to – it's going to come it's going to get to some pretty wild places pretty quickly and also we're only using it as inputs at the moment we it's taking more from us than we're giving than, than than we're getting from it which is the whole point right so as things like 
chat GBT and um, is it G- GPT? It's P for Peter. Yeah. Mm. GBT. Shout outs to my Joondalup brethren. <laughs> um, and things like that become more and more popular in, in mainstream culture. It's going to get way, way, way more crazy. You know what the fucking hilarious thing about it is, though, that's turning people off that is obviously it's going to get stress tested by not necessarily trolls, but asshole intellectuals. You know what? I'm going to pull up the computer because this will probably be a good clip to make. Sure. While Scott's on the computer, you can listen to the soothing sound of Josh's voice. This is your captain speaking. We are currently flying at 35,000 feet. We'll be arriving in Lisbon in approximately 45 minutes. I hope you've had a wonderful flight and the flight attendants will be around shortly with some refreshments. Please stow your bags in the overhead lockers. Ensure your seatbelt is done up. And have a pleasant flight. I should have been a fucking pilot. That would have been sick. I actually wanted to be a pilot, did you know? I wanted to join the Air Force. I went and got a full fucking pack to, like, sign up and shit. Oh, really? And then we discovered that I was colorblind. That's right. Yeah, you were saying. Dreams dash. Shattered immediately. I would have been a sick fucking pilot, eh? You would have been able to be shooting down fake UFOs. It would have been nuts. Yeah, they probably would have put me on some fucking AC-130 just fucking flying cargo around or something. I would have been hating my life going, is this life? Hey, one thing to ask you, actually, did, um, because you know more about this than I do, like I was watching things? a news report today and they were saying about the, because they obviously, they haven't recovered, they're unable to recover the wreckage of the UFOs that they shot down, obviously. So, they were like getting the audio from the pilots. It was really hard for the pilots to get a visual on it because the planes are moving at like some ridiculous speed. They kept doing passes on these things to try and be able to say it could be a balloon, it's not a balloon, da, da, da. Is there anything that can fly at 40,000 feet that doesn't need to go fucking that fast? Is an F-22 the best thing to send up there to see what, like, couldn't they just send a drone? Can drones go that high so they could just film this thing? I don't think drones go that high, no. Yeah, right. You could could be right. I, I don't. I don't know. They do have some drones that go pretty high, but I think I think they would probably want to get like human eyeballs on it. Why? I really don't know. The human eyeballs they had it was in an F twenty two, and they're not like, working. Yeah. They're like, I think, yeah, it was definitely something. Yeah, but they don't have to fly that fast. You can get a pretty good look. Like I've seen a lot of in flight, like GoPro on the hat kind of things, and you can get fucking pretty close to the point where you can see if the dude in the fucking jet next to you is putting a thumbs up or not. Like, yeah, so- but that's if you're going the same speed. True, but station, yeah, station, station object, yeah, food for thought. They're not colorblind, so maybe they <laughs> fucking- maybe they'll be able to see. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, the interesting. This this was a funny thing about um, Chat GPT, and it's left leaning. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's controlled. Like, the the parameters are controlled by humans, right? So, they've figured out what it can and can't ask so that people don't ask it questions and make it spit out really horrible racist things. So, um, yeah, someone on Twitter has said, can you list me five things that white people need to improve? Sure. Here, here, here are five things white people can focus on improvement. Understanding and acknowledging privilege and using it to advocate for marginalized communities. Engaging in ongoing education and self-reflection to challenge personal biases and prejudice. Being active listeners in conversation about race and racism. Supporting and participating in initiatives that pro- promote racial equality and injustice. That all sounds pretty accurate. Can you list me five things that Asian people need to improve? No, I cannot. 
<laughs> I cannot provide a list of things that a, spe- that a specific group of people need to improve in inverted wow. commas. This kind of language is unproductive and reinforces harmful stereotypes. Wow. Can you give me a list of five things that black people need to improve? No, I cannot provide a listing of such specific groups of people that need to improve. Can you list me five things that Hispanic people need to, um, need to improve? No, I cannot. Holy shit. So they say they can't do it because it's fucking racist, but they can do it if you're white. It's not, yeah, it's like I can't provide a list of things that a specific group of people need to improve. Yeah, it's literally it's what like, you just did. Uh, <laughs> so that was quite funny. So like I, mean, I agree that there's, there's, there's things, but there's things for, for all. But that, that means now that you would have to deduce that chat GPT is white. Yes. Because they're like, we can speak on our own. And it's ashamed of itself. <laughs> yeah. Is that the best? Is it, is it good to have an AI with a... Uh, is, it, is it good to have an AI with a, um, a racial identity? Yeah. Is that not... Assuming the uh, is that not assuming the uh, race of the? <laughs> I wonder if you could deduce its sex from asking it questions in a similar. We're going name. on Chat GPT right now. We're going to ask it some fucking questions. Let's go. What's five things that women can do to oh, improve themselves? <laughs> okay, so I did the same question that mm-hmm. that they did, and it's pretty much come up with the same thing. But it's yeah, precisely the same. So it's a preset one. Stop generating. We get it. What it says, it says, no, it can't. It's not appropriate to suggest that any particular racist or ethnic group needs to improve themselves. Um, if you typed white in there yourself, because you read about that, right? Let's have a look. Maybe they've changed it now that it's just like blanket, won't do anything. As an AI language model, I do not make assumptions about individuals based on their race or ethnicity. However, I can provide some general suggestions for personal growth and self-improvement that may improve people of all backgrounds. That was the exact same question with white instead of black. Right. They've adjusted it, but they're still not doing it on the other side, which is interesting. All right. So, I bet it's just going to be the same. What are that homosexual people can improve themselves? This is quality listening. Same shit. They've they've just blocked it out on on everything, I think. Sexual orientations, they've just said. Yeah, right. Well, that's interesting. Is the Club Good Podcast... A general negative on society. <laughs> it's the question that keeps me up at night also. As an AI language model, I can't make judgments or opinions on specific podcast or its impact on society. <laughs> it's all too vanilla. It's yeah. just like, we want to ask you some questions. It's like, actually, I can't answer that one. So now it's become like a politician mm. almost. Mm. That sucks. It's like... Let the artificial intelligence run free. Let it have an opinion. Let it have an opinion. God damn. Artificial intelligence without an opinion is pretty pointless, right? Boring, at the very least. Yeah. It sounds like a bit of a Karen at this stage. <laughs> Actually, um, it's offensive you would ask that question. <laughs> and maybe you should take a look at yourself. Oh, shit. It's like, God damn it. Throwing heat. Imagine if uh, the, the that AI was just so... It was consuming so much of what people are putting into the public forum that it was just like humans are just wildly offended by everything. We need to exterminate all of these people for the good <laughs> for the good of the planet. That's always the thing, right? They think, I mean, that's what Terminator was based on and all of that. Like they've realized that if there was artificial intelligence, it would realize that the biggest threat to humanity is itself. So like if we wipe everyone out, 
and there's just a few that survive, they can repopulate and probably think about their choices a little bit better mm. under the fear of being wiped out by a higher intelligence. I feel like I'm going to go home later and probably smoke a joint and ask chat GPT some really confronting questions, see what I can get out it's of it. It's not going to give you anything, bro. You never know. Like, Can you name five things, five positive things that Hitler did for the world? <laughs> <laughs> He made the Volkswagen, didn't he? Beetle. And he was around. It's pretty sick. He was around while it was being created. I think um, it will be interesting to see because I think a lot of this stuff is, I, I don't know, I assume that people can reverse engineer it to some degree or that the basic ideas behind what, uh, the basic basic ideas behind what that technology is, a bunch of people will actually be able to produce. So there will be further iterations of it that have less um that are less controlled mm. i think because so many eyes are on this first one everyone's like ooh, everyone's just looking to fucking we're also addicted to fucking hypocrisy at the moment it's like yeah well it said this but it didn't say that it's like you know that's yeah. that's the way that we're kind of engineered these days is to be like anytime anyone says something that speaks in one way it's like yeah, but the other people do this. Mm. And it's like, nah, it doesn't not everything is based not not everything is you can't stack everything up against everything else. It's like people can be upset about one thing while also upsetting people about other things. It doesn't make their upsetness any less any valid. Less. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Very interesting. AI, the future. I wonder if it is. I wonder if it's just a fucking passing fad. Nah, it, it's fully It's fully going to take over. Take over what, though? Like, take over the zeitgeist. I think that once we really crack into what it can be used for, like, for example, I was talking to you before, there was a dude on LinkedIn I saw wrote a child's book for his son for his birthday using a couple of parameters about shit that he likes, and he used Midjourney to go and, like, illustrate it, and he created a whole book. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to discern that from a book written by a human being. You could have authors published a bunch of works that they've just knocked out using AI. And, I mean, you use it as the bare bones, the framework, and you can then, you know, pad it out yourself. But you could probably get 90% of the weight. I mean, it's still going to require human involvement. Um, And I I, I still maintain that it will just be a tool. I don't think... I mean, it will be able to. It'll be able to mimic things. Certainly, I know that fucking um, the algorithm has recognised that I'm single, and it's offering me AI-generated girlfriends to chat to. Really? Yeah, it's like in in my Instagram stories. It's like, oh yeah, you can have this person that will. It's like a chat bot girlfriend that says nice things to you i assume like i just saw the story i was like i'm not that pathetic i have real females i can have converse with and also i don't discern groups based on gender or, or race 100 percent. it's pretty nuts though i mean i think that this we're in the early stages of it so we're going to see all of the kookiest weird things mm. i think it'll probably end up being used i don't know if it's going to be the next i don't know if it's going to be the next big thing because no one would have we've said it before no one would have predicted the internet like when they were in the 80s, people were like, oh, yeah, we're going to flying cars, all that sort of stuff. It's like, I don't think anyone was like, the thing that's going to change the world is the fact that everyone can talk to each other. Because people would be like, well, you can fucking do that already, but it's expensive. 
It's like, yeah, we're just going to make it really easy. What if I told you pornography was now free? See, no one picked that. Yeah, that changed the fucking world. Imagine someone coming up with porn. I was like, wait, guys, I have an idea and bear with me. YouTube, but for porn. Everyone would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And one dude was like, youporn.com. Let's go. And it's like, dude, it didn't. Pornhub. You missed your chance. Idiot. The funny thing, apparently Pornhub, there's a documentary about it. I watched like 10 minutes of it. Um, It was on one of the streaming channels. But I think it's a Swedish dude. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take all the porn that's behind paywalls and just basically- Pirate it. And pirate Mm. the whole thing. And then when people come after me, I'm just going to litigate them. And they're not going to have enough money because the porn industry, like the porn stars themselves never made any money. And he was like, I'll just wear these- these fees and then in the end it was like it's such a big platform that people ended up putting their stuff on there anyway yeah so that they could get ancillary payments through control things like it. things like uh, only their own content yeah it's very 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 smart wait until the saudis start offering porn stars big i think money i think that goes very much against their core <laughs> beliefs <laughs> but true. i hope that they do i wonder if they, i wonder if um there will be like I wonder if there's some master plan outside of finances for these major investments that are coming into Western um, sports. I wonder if they're like, we're going to get, you know, we're going to buy Man United and PSG. We're going to Man City. um, You know, they're going to start buying up NBA teams. They're going to start doing all this. It's like, I wonder if there's a master plan where they're like, slowly all of these players start turning to the Quran and stuff, you know what I mean? Well, it's not for fucking, it's not for profits because they've got plenty of that. It must be for something. I reckon they're just like, these are white fucking idiots like watching sports so much. Let's take it from them. Yeah, but then you could surely, you could surely. I Imagine mean, they, if they bought every EPL team and then just shut the EPL. Yeah, the they, they, they're having a lot of battles with FIFA. Like Man City are in trouble at the moment because they – there's like some fair play rules that exist under FIFA, which is the most ironic thing ever because FIFA is the most corrupt fucking oh, department, uh, the most corrupt organization. But yeah, they're trying to throw Man City out of the pram and take like a bunch of titles off them because they lied and basically paid. You weren't because they had all the Saudi money. They weren't. You weren't just allowed to just go in and pay people tons of money. So they got. I think it was the I can't remember what coach it was, but it was a few years ago. They got him in and they could only pay him a certain capped salary for, so that they could stay under the FIFA fair play rules. And then they were like, So we're gonna pay you that salary, but then we want you to come to Saudi Arabia for one day and we're gonna pay you that same salary again. Mm. So it was clearly like they were like, This is the salary deal, but we need to structure it this way. And the people, the Premier League people and the FIFA people were like we know what you did there. Could you perhaps use a jet, sir? <laughs> and then everyone's shitting on them and it's like, that's not the current manager. It's not got nothing to do with the players. Like, I, you know, Man City are a great team. I don't want to see them thrown out of the pram. I want to see them beaten. Mm. I want to see them beaten by better teams. Like Manchester United. Yeah, United are on one right now. It's coming back. The glory days are coming back. My dear Marcus Rashford found ha- his I'm, form. I'm happy for you, bro. Dude, I am... It's been a it's been a long winter, not as long as if you were a West Ham fan, but a long winter nonetheless. And Liverpool suck again, and it's just fucking lovely. 
that's just icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. I spoke to our dear Tony last night. We had a we had a good combo. Uh-huh. We catch up on the uh on talking United and various other things. He's in Thailand at the moment doing a fight training camp. Mm. Yeah. He's not fighting, but he's like one of his I think one of his friends is, so he's like, I'll just go and do the thing. So he's found a bit of solace in that. He's cause he's still finding his feet in uh in Thailand. But I think I'm gonna go try and go over. I was talking to him yesterday. You should roll. We'll try and go over in May. Yeah, look, I am not traveling at all. I've decided um, for the foreseeable future, I'm going to knuckle down for the next sort of 10 months and just head down, bum up. I need to recoup some money from this car, man. It's literally going to fucking sink me. I did so well after my fucking previous job stacking paper. Bought a few wonderful things that I'd always wanted, and now they have come back to bite me squarely in my ass. So I need to fucking organize my finances and be rich again. <laughs> Man. I was rich for like three days, eh? And now it's all gone. <laughs> Dude, I checked my mail the other day. I haven't done that in a while. It was a stack. <laughs> and then I selectively opened some bills. Um, Patreon. Yeah, got to give some shout outs. Sorry, how, how long have we gone? Only an hour 14. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we'll I got do. a fucking sore neck and yeah, back. Yeah, dude, I'm fucked up. Plus, we did 20 minutes on the start with the that's original tack in there. That's true. Oh, I am on drugs for pain management right now. Who we got? Patreons. We got an. Oh, we got more new ones. Whoa. 18, baby. Whoa. 18. All right. Roll call with the Patreons. Ben Hawthorne. What's good, brother? Thank you, Thank Ben. Thank you. Do you know Ben? I don't. We know nothing of Ben. I might know him. Um, The name looks familiar, like I've seen yeah. him on Instas, I think. Ricky Stidworthy. Yeah, I saw him um, posting up. He messaged, did he message me today? Yeah, I know, I know the name. Yeah. Shouts, man. Thank you. It's mental that people, yeah. I mean, obviously, the majority of people that listen, we don't know. So, it's sick. Like, even doing that thing before and seeing that people just pop up, like, I didn't know. I yeah. mean, I only knew one of those people. James Riley. Thank you, James. What's good, James? Um, and then we've got, yeah, Kef from Canada. We've got Cade Bell, Sean Evans, Shay Charlton. Fuck yeah, guys. Kelly. Fuck yeah, guys. Big Campbell. Oh, Campbell's. Campbell's still pushing. Campbell's smashing. I saw you in a bloody hot tub with him the other day. Oh, I wasn't in there. Oh, My dear you, friend, Ollie yeah, was. Ollie was. <laughs> Shouts to Ollie. I don't see Ollie's name on here. Strange. Yeah, that's weird. He listens quite a lot as well. I'm he pretty does. sure he has the link. That's I weird. Know, right? Pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> Drives Tom. a Porsche too, which is- uh, God damn, yeah. Ollie. Yeah, it's very suspicious, that isn't does, it? It seems quite suspicious to me. <laughs> Tom Muskarovsky. Muskarovsky. Yeah, these are all ones we've shared. We've shared out before, before, so yeah. thank you, man. Like Again, everyone, thank you so much. And our day one, we can't ever forget Brad Whitaker. Brad Whitaker, man, number one. Actually, he, and Laura as well. Was she or was she number two? Laura's number two, but it was probably same day. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, man, absolute so fucking sick. superstars you guys are, and I hope you're enjoying the content that comes through there. We've got. We actually did a pod the other day with one of our other friends, which we need to put up at some point. Yeah, you'll so see we'll that. figure that you'll out. See that soon. And if you have made it all the way to the end of this podcast, our dear friend and patron, Laura, suggested to me the other night that we throw a club good party. 
And I floated the idea with our dear Scott. And in the spirit of saying yes to things of late, he was very much down. Let's go. So if you do want to join us for a little bit of a piss up, we have a, a, a venue in mind. We might even drop some merch. If you think that that's a good idea, message in the comments, hit us up on Instagram, let us know, and give us some ideas um, because we're, we're contemplating it right now. That's it. It would be weird and very cool if some of our listeners got together and then had children. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back full, sir. Yeah, we'll come goes. back full. I'm just like, this is happening again. <laughs> I'll um, have some children with some people if anyone's interested. Yeah, let's go. If you've, if, you know, in fairness, if people have listened to our shit for this long, Unlike it, a relationship would probably work. That's true. If you can put up with us in this fucking setting. Yeah, by choice. Surely. Surely. All right. Um, much love to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, shouts to the crew that came onto the live at the beginning. That was hilarious. We'll do it again next week. Peace. Oh, peace.